You're listening to the Food Freedom Life Podcast. My name is Brittany Allison, and I spent six plus years stuck in diet binge cycles, hating my body, and envying others who seem to have it all because I never felt enough. What I discovered in my journey to food freedom and becoming a registered dietitian is this. You can either live your life at war with your mind or learn to work in sync with it. So if you're ready to learn how to be in tune with yourself and evolve your life, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Food Freedom Life Podcast. It has been a minute. I know it's the end of January. My last episode was before Christmas and before the holidays and everything like that. And I took some time off. I went away to Mexico with my husband. It was really wonderful. But we are back. We're going to be meeting every other week. I'm going to get back on my schedule. Not every week. That ended up being just not sustainable for forever. So we're going to go to an every other week schedule just so you can expect and look forward to new episodes. But today... We are going to talk all about body image. We're going to get into some of the roots of body ideals and beauty ideals. We're going to talk about comparison, body confidence. So if you're in need of a bit of a talk to change the way you're thinking about yourself and make you feel better, this is it. And I'm going to just go with the flow today. I don't have too much of a structure I'm going to follow for this episode, but all of it's going to be jam-packed with topics that are really going to make you think about how you're thinking about your body and give you some new perspectives that will help you boost your body confidence, how you feel about yourself, and just make you feel a little bit more neutral. I know that depending on where you are, it's winter time. Here it's winter time. And the cold tends to be a bit of a hibernation time, right? It's easier to hide your body in summertime. It's just more difficult because everybody's showing skin, you're more exposed, there are less opportunities to hide. It's a lot more confronting. And you might be comparing yourself to others more, maybe your friends, maybe other women on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is. And it can start to take its toll in the summer particularly. And so that's why I really want to talk about this now, because it's so important to start working on your mindset when things are a bit easier so that when life gets a tad more challenging, you already have some tools in your toolbox and different ways of thinking about things that hopefully will help you get through a little bit more easily and smoothly. So the first thing I want to start bringing your awareness to in order to improve your body image is your automatic thoughts around comparison. It can be so unconscious, right? The language you use around describing other women's bodies, for example, if you're maybe out and about and you see somebody and you kind of notice her body, some of those automatic thoughts you might have go right to, wow, like she has an amazing body or wow, her body is so good. Or maybe you'll be scrolling on Instagram or TikTok and some ad for a bikini comes up or somebody did like a bikini haul or something like that for their vacation. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, she has a perfect body. And this will all happen so quickly and so automatically. And it will continue to be automatic for the rest of your life unless you actually start bringing awareness into this and noticing it. Because when you start to notice it and pay attention to those places that your brain goes, you can be like, "Mm, hang on a second. By me saying these phrases while I see someone else's body, one, it's putting a certain body type on a pedestal and creating this idea in my mind of the perfect body type and gearing it towards one specific body type. And you're going to start to notice that the woman who you make these comments towards in your mind, they will have a similar body type. And it's sort of like the typical thing that social media and just the media in general has drilled into our whole lives of, you know, certain waist size, breast size, whatever it is. And so not only is it keeping you in a very narrow frame of mind when it comes to what a perfect body or even just an acceptable body is, 
But I think even more importantly, there's this undertone and maybe subconsciously that comes with pointing out that body type to be perfect or even acceptable, which means that everything else is not perfect or not acceptable. It's flawed. It's imperfect. It's not okay. We want to strive away from that. And that's so harmful, right? Because the body type that you're pointing out is not yours. And so therefore it's saying that hers is perfect. It's acceptable and yours is not. There's something wrong with yours and you need to get yours more like hers. It's also very surface level too, right? Because you don't know what her life is like, what she does to get or maintain that body. If that is just her genetics and that's just how she looks, if she has disordered eating or an eating disorder, if she's totally obsessive about her body and making it look that way that she sacrifices other parts of her life. You just don't know by looking at somebody. And honestly, even if you know somebody, you still only know what they're going to tell you, right? I had an eating disorder for like over a decade and nobody knew. You never are going to know the full story. So be cautious and get curious about comparison always. So when we have these thoughts about comparison, Sometimes they're snap thoughts and they're pretty automatic, right? We can't always control the first thought that we have, but we can control the second. So that's what we want to do. We want to get really aware of when those thoughts of comparison come up so we can call them out. And then we want to add in a second thought that's more empowering, that flips the negative comparison thought on its head. So try it out with me if this is something you're struggling with. And it's to acknowledge and hold space for how you feel in that situation. Like, okay, she has a really beautiful body, which is okay to say there's nothing wrong with admiring somebody else's physique. Definitely not saying that we, you know, can't admire other bodies, but I'm going to continue that sentence, not just leave it there. going to continue the sentence by saying, okay, wow, she has such a beautiful body and mine is good too because X, Y, Z reasons, or she has a beautiful body and there's nothing wrong with mine either. They're just different. So just bringing your body into this playing field as well of also being a good body. And so just going back to the idea of it's okay, it's normal, it's fine to admire somebody else's body, but be really careful about how you're comparing and bring in the thought that your body is also a good body and one body is not inherently better than another body. But if you do feel like you get a bit of a sting inside your chest or a bit of tightness when you notice someone else's body has something that you don't and you feel maybe lesser in some way, definitely try to add the second part of the sentence. Hers is great and mine is beautiful too. They're just different and that's okay. We essentially don't want to keep creating this gap and widening the gap of what's perfect to you versus where you're at. Instead, we want to bridge the gap and close it up. We don't want this really narrow view of beauty, which I think a lot of us sort of fall into the trap to, right? We have some fairly strict idea of what is the ideal. We might, you know, not think that other bodies are bad, but we have this one specific type that is the goal and that makes everything else, including our own bodies, less than. So we want to try to just spread that range out a little bit more and start to notice other body types too and notice the beauty in them, right? Expand your horizons and stop reaffirming this narrow definition of beauty or what is an acceptable or good or perfect body. And so one way that you can try this out, whether in real life or on social media, is also to start purposely noticing other bodies that might not fit that narrow view of the ideal and just pointing out in your mind, you know, what's beautiful about them as well like genuinely something you find beautiful about it and just start broadening your view of beauty. 
because that will also take so much pressure off of yourself. By working to get into that mindset that so many different types of bodies are beautiful, that body diversity exists naturally, and that is beautiful, it's going to take pressure off you of trying to get this one type or this one specific look. And if you're anything like me, most of my life, that perfect body was something like a Victoria's Secret model, which is literally not even possible for me to ever be. Like, it's just not gonna happen. Yet, that's the body that I kept confirming in my mind is the perfect body. And that kind of morphed into more of like a muscular, toned, fit body. But at the end of the day, it was still just striving for something that is not me. And so it's just setting myself up to fail. Like I'm never going to be that perfect body, which in my mind means that I'm imperfect. And I hear that a lot too, right? Of like, I'm not trying to be a Victoria's Secret model. I just want to be what I was when I was X age, or I just want to lose X pounds. And honestly, that's just as harmful. It doesn't matter if it feels realistic or not. You're still pinning yourself against another body and making your body that you currently live in out to be less than. And that's just not a fun or helpful or health promoting place to be. So just to recap, if you find yourself pigeonholing your definition of what is a good body or a perfect body or a beautiful body into a really narrow mold, even if it feels realistic, try out adding that second part of the sentence like, wow, her body is beautiful and mine is good too because X, Y, Z and start to look at other bodies and just notice the beauty in them as well. It's also helpful when you see somebody when you don't necessarily envy their body that maybe they're in a body that you don't want or that you would be afraid to have to also work on giving compassion to those people in those types of bodies too to add in a thought to continue to broaden the idea that you know we are more than a body yourself included we are all more than bodies So thinking about, okay, so maybe I see this woman in the grocery store and she's in a larger body and like maybe you have some sort of snap judgment about her. I want you to add into the end of that sentence and I don't know anything about her life or what she struggles with and she looks like she's really happy with her kids and I really like the way that she's done her hair. Just adding in something else that kind of zooms out a little bit from her body to look at her as more a whole person and you don't know this person right but this is really if you kind of have those snap judgments and at the end of the day I mean those judgments are really about you and how you feel about bodies and how you feel about yourself it has nothing to do with that woman in the grocery store but it's important to add that in because it also softens the view that we have of ourselves we want to look at ourselves as more than a body and also just broaden our idea of beauty and even question where is this idea of the ideal body type coming from, right? Who decided that small waists and big butts and fake lashes were the prerequisites for a beautiful woman? Was it a magazine? Was it a celebrity? Was it the beauty industry, which is worth over $128 billion? I know I mentioned the Victoria's Secret model body type, which I think is a common desire for a lot of women. But if we really think about it, where does this pressure come with women to look a certain way? right? On one hand, you can say, okay, well, you know, women are always so tough on themselves, but we're not inherently that way. It still has to stem from somewhere. It doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? We're trying to look a certain way because we think it's desirable, but where does that idea come from? You could argue that, you know, we've heard it from men over and over again, but usually the culture you've been brought up with has some sort of 
consistency in those messages and that gets imprinted into your mind and you latch onto that. And that's the definition of beauty that you think all men hold to. And over time, the trend when it comes to female beauty, it kind of switches between this like exaggerated feminine form with, you know, big breasts and big bums and long hair and the rejection of or the reaction to that um, feminine ideal with more kind of small chests, waif, really thin bodies, um, more boyish figures. And really interestingly, two examples of that happened in sort of the 1920s and then the 1960s and 70s, which both periods people rejected that beauty construct. In the 1920s, what was trendy was a more androgynous look for women where they would flatten their chests with these really constricting bras and wear loose clothing to hide their curves. They had short hair. What was happening at this time in history was the suffrage movement where women gained the right to vote. And then in the 1960s and 70s, there was that same rejection of the exaggerated feminine form. And there was a preference for the thin body type with a shift away from the corsets and the pinup girls of what was happening years prior. And this also coincided with the second wave of the women's rights movement. So it's just really interesting. But, you know, going alongside this is the idea that in order to attain perfection, women have had to work to change their bodies in some way, whether it was by wearing a corset or dieting or exercising or getting plastic surgery or injections of some kind. And with that, we can also see like the self-help industry, the beauty industry grow, which really counts on us wanting to change ourselves to fit into some form of an ideal, some image of perfection that you can never actually attain. And what we can really see is a connection between capitalism, economy, body image. It's profitable for you to not like yourself and to not like the way that you look. And this ideal that we're always chasing comes from very Eurocentric standards. But if we look at beauty standards across the world, we can see that this trend exists even outside of the capitalist beauty economy. So while Western culture puts thin bodies on a pedestal, Countries with a lack of resource aspire to a body type that expresses abundance. Many African countries put curvy bodies on a pedestal. Same with in Eastern Europe, where poverty rates are higher. They portray this message of more is more, where a lot of makeup and fancy clothing and over-the-top unnatural looks are what is considered beautiful. Ideal beauty has consistently been unattainable and has led many to suffer through depression, body dissatisfaction, low self-esteem, eating disorders, and even death. So who decided this beauty standard? I mentioned Eurocentric beauty standards a minute ago, and if we take a look at sort of the beauty timeline, there's a lot of evidence that shows the origins of beauty standards throughout history as being defined by European and Western culture. The countries in this area were the ones with the most power and influence and the greatest racial divides as well at the time. Race is actually highly connected to our opinions about beauty and what kinds of bodies and features we think are beautiful. There's a really wide range of evidence that shows the connection between our modern beauty standards, our ideals, and the hatred and fear of fatness and colonization and the transatlantic slave trade. The enslavement and forced removal of Africans to Europe and America created a new form of racism to make whiteness distinct from blackness. This didn't only include the demonization of black skin, but it also identified fatness with black femininity, which was seen as excessive and inferior. And this is very different from how larger bodies were depicted prior to the slave trade, where there are countless images of curvy European women that were seen as the ideal of beauty. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of the time, you know, scrolling through TikTok and sort of seeing 
some of these body image and body positivity videos, they'll show all of these paintings and all of these images of women who are curvy and were put on a pedestal and were embraced, but we never really asked why that changed. And in the Renaissance period, just before enslavement, you could clearly see from the artwork, right? Like that being thicker and curvy was preferred among white women, but aesthetic preferences shifted during the rising slave trade. Black women became increasingly present in art, but were shown as thin and sickly servants and seen as lowly and inferior. But by the 16th century, with slavery and colonization in full force, sugar was also a commodity that became highly accessible and the changing diet in Europe came with mass accessibility of what they called white gold, which meant changing body shapes and sudden anxieties around fat, especially among men. And this is where we really start to see thinness as a sign of male rationality and intellectuals like Shakespeare actually frowned upon overconsumption and labeled it as a sign of low intelligence and an obstacle to higher, more intellectual thought. At that time, self-regulation became the key to morality and gluttony became a sin to be avoided. And so a bit later in the 17th century was really when fat became this tool for racial categorization, where those same connections were being drawn between gluttony and stupidity, but now it was being linked to the characteristics of Africans whose body types naturally tended to be thicker, curvier, and softer. And so with that, food was on this moral level of discipline that was seen to be needed for intellectual pursuit. So it was at that time that a thin body had gone from being a sign of sickliness to evidence of the moral and intellectual superiority of Europeans. There was an emphasis that was put on the bodies of African women who were depicted as monstrous and animalistic while also serving as a source of sexual fascination for men. And as the American empire grew in the 19th century, the thin ideal of white American femininity that's a hard word to say, femininity, <laughs> also grew after a period of moral panic surrounding American women as being too thin. But then on the other hand, this idea of fat being tied to African savagery was still highly popular and also tied it to being a form of crime and deformity. And so as new immigrants were arriving to America, anxieties grew around maintaining the superiority of Northwest Europeans. And so in an effort to define what was American beauty and what the ideal was and sustained this white supremacy over immigrants and enslaved Africans, thinness grew as a way to separate people based on race and class. By the time we get to the 1900s, fat was a sign of racial otherness, intellectual and moral inferiority, which really set the stage that culminated into this other moral panic around fat with the obesity epidemic. And the reason I get into this history lesson with all of you is one, because I love history and I have a history degree and so gotta flex that somewhere, but without understanding how fat phobia emerged in response to slavery and in order to establish whiteness as superior, we can't grasp how our modern obsession with thinness is rooted in anti-blackness. The current manifestation of fat phobia around obesity as a public health crisis is very reliant on the same ideas that were drawn on to construct fat as a sign of the laziness of the mind, the body, and the spirit. And I know we don't necessarily think of all of this when we think of thinness now and maybe why we prefer it or why we want it or why we strive for it, but it's important to understand that the way our society has been molded over centuries when it comes to beauty standards has impacted the way we think about bodies now. And unless we know some of these roots, we can't challenge it. And just because this is a, how a large portion of our society thinks about bodies does not mean this is how we have to think about bodies, right? Once you know better, 
you can do better. And when we understand the roots, we can use it as a larger reason for why we need to reject it and challenge the way that we think in the here and now. Take that power back and take control of how you view beauty. Somebody else does not have to define it for you or tell you if you fit that mold or not. Take back that power. Another thing I wanted to bring up was if you're really struggling with where you're at now with your body type, I also want you to look back at photos of yourself two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was, just look back in time and think, okay, what did I think about my body at that time? Maybe you were like, I, I don't really like my body. I need to change this. I need to change that. And it might be that now you look back at those photos and you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? I was so beautiful then. My legs were so strong. I was so athletic. I had beautiful curves, whatever it is. Just recognize that at that time, you can see it now. But at the time you couldn't, right? Maybe you were tearing your body apart. It was never good enough. It was just like the goalpost kept moving further and further away, right? You'd lose some weight. You'd maybe be happy with yourself for a bit. And then it was like, oh, well, I could push a little further. I could do a little more. And now all of a sudden your body's not enough. So looking at those photos, maybe you hated the way you looked in those pictures and you remember feeling that way at the time. But now you appreciate the way that you looked. It's important to reflect on this so you can let the past inform the present and think about, okay, in 10 years, what am I going to say about myself now? What am I going to say? Like, what was she thinking? You know, what was I thinking at the time? I was so beautiful. I was so young. I know that when you're in a place of not loving your body, you can feel like, no, in 10 years, I'm also going to hate the way that I look right now. But think about that 10 years ago picture and how you feel now. It will be the same regardless of what your body size will be in 10 years from now. And if you can look back on a body that you had maybe 10 years ago and think, no, I I actually was happy with how I looked at that time. I want you to think about your life at that time. What did you have to sacrifice for that body? What did you have to compromise? How much were you thinking about food? How much were you exercising? Was that actually fulfilling for you? Was that sustainable? Did you enjoy that? Or were you just doing it to punish yourself in some way or because you felt like you weren't enough? It's okay also if you look back at that body and you remember liking it, but you didn't like the life and you're not willing to go back to that now. But that's grief, right? That's grief, that disparity, that that space, that distance between I want that body and I also know that I don't want that life. And that takes processing. And I talk about that with all of my clients because that's such a huge part of body image and body image work and body image healing is working through that grief. What I want you to do right now is to make a list of the things that you're struggling with now that when it comes to your body and how you look and work on bringing neutrality into it. So for everything that you are struggling with that you think is negative, bring light to it in a more neutral way. You can even bring positivity into it if it feels authentic, but don't push yourself into this place if it feels hollow or fake. So how can you Take a look at it in a different way and maybe see the beauty or the neutrality in it right now instead of waiting for 10 years and looking back and being like, oh no, I was actually so beautiful or even I was fine, right? Why did I have to be so damn negative? So as an example, maybe it's your arms that you tend to be really, really negative about and you're like, oh, my arms are so big. I hate them. They look awful in photos. Here's how you might bring neutrality into that. You might think or say, Or write down, if you're doing this exercise, which I would highly recommend, you might write down, okay, well, actually, my arms are genetic and the size they are is really just how I am. Their size means I'm strong and I can lift things easily and I can feel capable. 
So just find those negatives and flip it. Find appreciation in what's neutral or beautiful or positive about it right now in the present. And again, this really comes to taking your power back, but aim for neutral, aim for the middle ground. You don't have to be positive unless it feels right. Another thing I wanted to talk about too was this whole idea of body goals. And it just kind of comes back to what I was talking about at the start. Just, you know, she has a perfect body or she has an amazing body. She's body goals. I want her body. Not only can we try out that technique that I mentioned of adding to the end of that sentence, and I also have a good body, or also looking at the greater qualities that they have as a person or like their hair, their outfit, or they look happy or whatever else. But I think we need to also just start to not place so much value on bodies on the exterior. So how can we start to let go of this immense value that we place on a body, a body type, how your body looks, how much worth it deserves? Let's flip the switch and look at more than just the body. How about lifestyle goals, life goals? What about that woman do you look up to? Maybe her career, her business, maybe the warmth she brings to a room, how everybody gravitates towards her. Maybe she's really good at baking banana bread. Like whatever it is, let's start looking at more than just the outside. And I know that you don't necessarily know these things about people that you just see at the grocery store or if they're out and about or on social media, you don't always know. But I think it's important with people that you do know, or even again, just people that you see to try to start to look past the body because we are so much more than that. And all of those things that I mentioned, right? Like the warmth or the career or the fact that she lights up a room, right? Those things don't happen because of her outside. Let's expand on what else matters. And I also just want to point out here, there's nothing wrong with wanting to change your body in some way, right? I think that that's something that there's just so much pressure on all of us as we've talked about and as we know, it, it comes with being a woman, unfortunately, and I don't know if we can entirely escape it, but we really want to figure out what the intention is behind wanting that change, right? Are you wanting that change out of fear, out of desperation? Do you think that by getting to that goal, by losing weight, you're going to be more loved than you are now or you'll love yourself more than you love yourself now. If you're only willing to love yourself or feel worthy when you're in a certain body size, we can go back to that goalpost idea where it just keeps moving further and further away. When you lose weight, it's never going to be enough, right? And so if you're feeling like you can only do XYZ things once you have a certain body or look a certain way, that you'll love yourself more or be more lovable or be more successful, that's when we really need to say, okay, the focus on weight loss is coming from a bad place. It's coming from desperation. And we actually just need to take a break from pursuing that so we can do the internal work and build that self-worth up right now. Again, it's okay to want to change your body, but I really want you to take a hard look at where that's coming from. And do you need to put that aside for now to focus on working on loving yourself as you are? Because otherwise, you're always going to be chasing it. You're never going to find it in the ways that you want or need. And one more thing here too, just considering would it feel more empowering to actually shift focus away from a certain look that you're wanting or a certain number of pounds or a certain pant size and instead focus on how you want to feel, what you want to be able to do, the abilities that you want to have. Like I want to feel stronger and more capable and be able to run 10K or something like that. Or I want to get this promotion and I want to feel more confident in my public speaking and I want to feel more confident at work because there are so many more tangible steps to doing those things. And it ends up being a lot more empowering 
than just focusing on going after a look or a certain body size or shape or changing a certain thing. So that's what I've got for today. I hope this gave you something to think about and just gave you a few tips as well to take on and take action. So to really recap what I went through, if you notice yourself pointing out these so-called perfect bodies, I want you to start looking at other body shapes and appreciating their beauty. And I also want you to start adding to the end of that sentence. Wow, she has a great body and mine is great too because X, Y, Z. To also start taking back your power, owning what you see as beautiful instead of letting the media dictate that and tell you what's worthy. To think about some of these origins of beauty standards and fat phobia and use them to challenge your ideas about bodies and what you're subscribing to when you focus on trying to achieve an ideal. Learn from the past and bring it to the present. Look back at old photos. What did you not like about them now that you think is a non-issue? How can you use that to be neutral about and appreciate your body in the present? What are you struggling with right now? And what do you think in 10 years time you're going to say about it? How can you see the negative as neutral or positive now? Just looking at women as more than a body, what do you find inspiring about her? And when it comes to wanting to change your body, reminding yourself it's okay to want to do that, but just thinking about where is that desire coming from and what am I hoping to get out of that? And can I work on some of those things now without it having to be so hyper-focused on my body? I really, really, really hope that you love this body confidence pep talk. I hope that it got you thinking more about what even is beauty and just starting to take that journey to taking back your own power in terms of what is beautiful. And if you're wanting to take steps forward in your own journey and work on the things that are keeping you stuck with food and body image, I am currently accepting new clients into my one-on-one individualized coaching program where I can help you work through your biggest challenges with food, body image, and life while having my support, accountability, and constant encouragement along the way so you can get to feeling free, balanced, and have a deep knowing that you're enough as you are. I'll put the link in the show notes to book a free 30-minute discovery call with me so that we can get the ball rolling. And if you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at brittanyallison.rd at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, everybody, and tune in next time.